0: The following podcast episode contains sensitive information, including murder, sexual harassment, and rape. Listener discretion is advised. Nazi crimes need no introduction, with millions of lives lost to aid of Hitler's regime. But did you know that amidst the carnage of World War II, the German propaganda machine of a supposedly benevolent and ordered state had a hard time disclosing the fact that a Nazi serial killer was on the loose among its own people? I'm your host, Peter Zablocki, and this... Is History Shorts. The reports of women being harassed, randomly attacked, and sexually assaulted while walking near and around the train station of the Eastern District of Berlin began appearing at the local police station in August of 1939, just a couple of weeks before the start of World War II. At first, the local authorities did not connect the different attacks that were, in fact, being committed by the same man. Various victims reported that said person to have been dressed in a uniform of a railway worker. Nearly all were attacked in dark passageways, then beaten, raped, and left for dead. The blackout restrictions against enemy bombings of Berlin made the already dark nights that much darker and made moving alone at night extremely dangerous. Yet, as the police began to see a pattern after questioning the assaulted women, the attacks stopped. The authorities could not know at the time that the assailant they were looking for had just been severely beaten by a husband and brother of one of his would-be victims in a failed attack. It would be this event that would change the man's approach. Now, to minimize the risk of interference, the killer who would become known as the S-Bahn murderer, named after the Berlin's transit railway system, began stalking the women while they were still on the train. Hiding among the empty train carriages, the criminal waited for women traveling alone, a common occurrence as the war effort conscripted many German men. The train cars were kept dark due to blackout restrictions and that women were unsuspect when you approached them wearing a uniform before asking them for their tickets. The S-Bahn murderer would no longer wait to make it to the station, but would instead assault his victims right on the train by knocking them out with a lead pipe, raping them and then throwing their bodies off the train. For the next two years, the serial killer would assault 31 women, killing 8 and leaving their bodies along the S-Bahn train tracks or near train stations. The efforts of the local police to crack the case were severely hindered by the Nazi propaganda machine headed by the infamous Joseph Goebbels, who forbade them from publishing any details of the murders and attacks. Unable to turn to the public for support, statements, or possible recognition, the investigators had to instead rely on secret men hunts. In an attempt to try and catch the killer, police officers lurked in the shadows, traveled on the trains, and even dressed as women. The locals, with the blessing of the police, unofficially of course, created a chaperone system where volunteers would come forth to ride trains with women and walk them home to safety so as not to leave anybody alone on the train. Still, the assaults and murders continued. Gobel's propaganda machine informed the police that such terrible crimes could only be the work of someone Jewish, for no racially pure German could commit them. Yet the investigation taken up by the local police proved it to be the exact opposite. The homicide unit of the Berlin Police knew from a handful of the victims that managed to survive after being thrown off the train that the person they were looking for was likely a rail worker. Within months of the investigation, they managed to interview and catalog 5,000 of the city's 8,000 railway workers. At one point, a railway worker during his own interrogation mentioned one of his co-workers always making demeaning comments about women and often disappearing during his shifts. The 29-year-old Paul Ogazov was a husband, a father of two, and an ardent Nazi party supporter. And although he was considered a good worker by his colleagues, they all noted his violent tendencies. The police followed the tip-off and searched Agazov's locker only to find blood on his uniforms. Even after his arrest on July 12, 1941, the S. Bond killer refused to confess. To try and get him to admit to his crimes, the lead investigator locked Agazov in a small, barely lit room with a table containing several post-autopsy skulls of his victims. A pathologist was brought in and slowly began explaining how each of the people whose skulls were represented were killed. After 24 hours of this very blunt and unconventional way of questioning, Agazov finally confessed to his crimes and began describing each one quite vividly to the astonished police, in some cases contradicting what the doctor had been explaining to him just moments before. As a motive, the murderer blamed his mental condition on a Jewish doctor who misdiagnosed him for a sickness that led to alcoholism and eventually stress. So as not to embarrass the Nazi party, Goebbels ordered Agazov expelled from the party just days before his official indictment. He pleaded guilty to 31 cases of sexual assault and 8 murders and was sentenced to death. With his motives officially listed as an extensive sex drive and pathological hatred of women, Agazov was declared an enemy of the people by the Nazi authorities and executed in late July 1941. When one thinks of the amount of death caused by the very existence and policies of the Nazi state, It is hard to imagine that quote-unquote regular heinous crimes such as murder, thievery, or rape continued among the terrible carnage on the scale perpetuated by the Axis themselves. Yet, as this case proves, even war cannot stop bad people from doing bad things. In yet another great irony, the Nazi party's goal of racial purity came to prominence through countless violence and bloodshed. Yet when the Axe involved a so-called pure German and a member of the party at that, it was too horrible to admit lest the German people figure it out for themselves that it was true. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Don't forget to check out History Shorts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your shows. You can also visit historyshortspodcast.com.